This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Uh, Habakkuk, which is the fifth book from the back of the Old Testament, from Malachi, go back uh, five books, and you come to Habakkuk or Habakkuk, whatever way you want to pronounce that, is fine by me. It's, it's used both ways. But most of you should say uh, Habakkuk, so we'll try to use that terminology. And the uh, third chapter, the last chapter, uh, the last few verses which are familiar to, I'm sure, all of us uh, here today. 17, 18, 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me to walk on my high hills. Sometimes life is complicated. Situations arise that perplex us. Uh, Testing times confuse us. We lose our confidence, and our peace often just seems to drain away. Habakkuk was going through such a time as this. He was a prophet of God and a really good prophet of God. And he ministered in Judah, which was the southern kingdom. And by this time, the northern kingdom, Israel, had been long since scattered and dispersed abroad by their enemies. And this was also during the time of Jeremiah and Nahum and Zephaniah. Uh, they were contemporary prophets at this time also during the reigns of uh, Josiah and Jehoiakim. Uh, Josiah uh, led a revival in the nation, but it was a short-lived revival. And uh, he was then taken over by Jehoiakim, uh, who did his level best to drag the nation back into idolatry and all kinds of practices that God abhorred. And so the nation was in a terrible, terrible state and God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to Judah to warn them that if they did not turn back from following other gods, then he was going to chasten them severely. And even though he continually warned them, they continually disobeyed. They would not turn back to God. And they refused all the prophets' words to them. So there's nothing left for them but Judgment, And this would take the form of the Babylonians, or often called the Chaldeans, that they would come and that they would wreak havoc in the land. And they would come and they would burn their cities, uh, they would destroy their crops and their fields, very often Egyptians and the Assyrians and 
Babylonians, when they would come into a territory, they would cut down their, their, their olive trees and their, destroy their vineyards and, and everything they were growing. They would just wipe it out and, and burn their villages and, and murder many. And, and then they would take the cream of their young men and women into captivity. And so Jeremiah, knowing this was coming also and had already had warned them, and already had felt that they had passed the point of no return, they had crossed the Rubicon, that the only thing, and this was God's message to them, is when the Babylonians come, surrender. Surrender. If you surrender, there will not be so many die. It will go better for you if you surrender. But, of course, they hated Jeremiah for that negative, defeatist attitude as they felt that it was. And so... Habakkuk, he now too sees this dark hour coming. It was inescapable. It was unavoidable. The die was cast. It would have to be faced head on. But Habakkuk was confused. He was greatly troubled. He was confused because he had been praying. He had been praying for God to do something. He had been praying to God for a revival in the land. He saw the strife and he saw the state of the nation. He saw the idolatry and he saw the weakness of the leaders. But he was praying for God to turn it around and to speak to the leaders and get them to repent so that this would not befall the nation. And in chapter 1 of, of Habakkuk, uh, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? You can, you can sense his frustration. He's confused. He's perplexed. He can't understand why isn't God doing something. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. And so he's pouring out his heart to God. He's, he's confused. He's, he's perplexed. He's hurting. He's angry. He doesn't understand why God doesn't change the situation. Do something, God. Why aren't you doing something? That's the cry of his heart. And then God tells him something that's is about to shock him. God didn't seem to be listening at all. <laughs> Certainly didn't seem to be answering any of his prayers. But then suddenly God speaks and God tells him, I'm going to bring the Babylonians. And they're going to come in and they're going to rack and ruin the land. And they're going to take you all into captivity. And now he's really perplexed. Because everybody knew the Babylonians. The Babylonians were a thousand times worse than those who were in Judah. And he could not understand why God are you allowing or sending these Babylonians, these cruel, wicked people to destroy our land, to take us captive? Why are you doing this? So now he's really perplexed. 
although our trying times and our testing moments will never be what Habakkuk was going through or that nation. But yet, as I said earlier, sometimes life is complicated. Sometimes it's very confusing. And often we're perplexed. And we lose our confidence and our peace seems to drain away. However, like Habakkuk, God is on our side personally. God is on our side. All of heaven's resources are available to us. We are not going to face our problem alone. God is with us. Even the very angels are ministers to those who are heirs of salvation. So in spite of the direness of the situation, in spite of how bleak things looked, and it was in his day, in spite of all of that, Habakkuk found a reason to rejoice. It's not easy. It isn't easy to rejoice in spite of adversity or in the face of a trial. He would not rejoice in the circumstances, but he would rejoice in spite of them. He would turn his problems into prayers, and he would turn his prayers into praise. It's always good if you can turn your prayers into praise. Often you see this in the Psalms. You see David in difficult, tight situations, and he's praying fervently, and sometimes he's complaining because he's human. He can't understand. But as you read on through the Psalm, you'll see a subtle change coming where he begins to turn his prayers into praise. And you'll see that in many, many Psalms. And that's why I think the Psalms particularly are good when you're going through difficulties because it's real life. And the Psalmist David is writing not in a vacuum but going through stuff. And he's very honest in his prayers, but then it turns into praise. And so there's a, a couple of lessons, I think, in this for us today. First of all, praise to God is not dependent upon external circumstances. I'll say that again. Praise to God is not dependent upon external circumstances. If it was we would only praise him for what he does, not for who he is. And if we only praise him for what he does, not for who he is, then what if he doesn't do it? Or what if he does do it, but not in the time frame we want him to do it in? <laughs> we need to praise him for who he is regardless of what he does. And if we can praise him for who he is, yet, 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 he says, in spite of everything, yet, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. He is still the Lord regardless of the external circumstances. 
when we acknowledge his lordship, we're acknowledging that he is greater and bigger than the present prevailing circumstances. Are you with me? Not easy. If the spiritual life was easy, it would be a breeze. We would, but we realize it's not easy. But nevertheless, it wasn't easy for him. He knew what was coming. And in his situation, it could not be prevented. The die was cast. There's nothing he could do to change it. But he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And this dear wee country of ours, we haven't seen much of the sun this year. Dear help us, it's been pretty bleak at times, hasn't it? But yet we know above those clouds, the sun hasn't changed. It's still shining in all of its power and all of its glory. But those clouds come between us and it. But we need to acknowledge his lordship. In chapter 2 and 4, God tells him that the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Faith in what? Faith in whom? Faith is trusting in the faithfulness and the character of God regardless of the present prevailing circumstances. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Three times that verse is quoted in the New Testament, Romans 1 and Galatians 3 and Hebrews 8. The just shall live by his faith. So praise to God is not dependent upon external circumstances. If it was, we would only praise him for what he does rather than for who he is. Acts 16, Paul and Silas, you know the story, they are in prison, they have been whipped, they have been beaten, they have been bruised, but they're not broken. They're not broken. And in spite of their present circumstances, which are pretty grim and bleak, in spite of that, at midnight, they prayed and they sang praises unto God. And it wasn't utter, uttered under their breath. The Bible says the prisoners heard them. Don't know what the prisoners thought about it. Probably were quite annoyed. But here's these two men at midnight with the stripes on their back in pain and agony in a dark dungeon, and yet they found it within themselves, in spite of it, to praise God anyway. Of course, the early church had an attitude regarding all of those things, what men would do to them, that they would be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Circumstances did not change Paul and Silas, but prayer and praise changed their circumstances. Psalm 34, I will Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. Whether I feel like it or whether I don't, I choose to. I will bless the Lord. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Anybody else who wrote that other than Paul, you'd be scratching your head saying, what are they talking about? But this man, when you read his life in the book of Acts and you see what he went through and all the stuff that happened to him, and yet in spite of that, he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In Daniel chapter 6, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. These were leaders that were raised up. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They absolutely were livid that this Jewish slave would rule over them. A slave and a Jew. And so they were livid. They sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, and there was, and, and nor was there any error or fault found in him. And these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. We know this man, and we know regarding the law of his God, he will not break God's law. He will not go against God's law. So even though we cannot catch him in the natural, secular things of this kingdom, he's just so good, he's so excellent, but we need to catch him regarding the law of his God. We need to put him in a position of compromise and see what he does. And so these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And obviously they lied because Daniel was not even consulted about that. Now o king established a decree the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which does not alter. Therefore King Darius signed the written decree. His ego got the better of him. And he didn't think it through. He didn't realize that they were setting a trap for his favorite which was Daniel. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed when all external circumstances was against him, when nothing he could do could cause that king to alter that decree, the law of the Medes and the Persians, it cannot be broken. And he knew that. 
So when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. His outward circumstances did not make him change in his relationship to God. <coughs> he worshipped and he prayed as he had always done before. You see, it's easy doing it when you're well and you're in good health and you've got some money in the bank and your job's secure and your family's doing great and everybody's wonderful. It's easy, isn't it? All of us could do it. It's no problem. But it's when stuff happens, when things go wrong. That's when we need to do it the most, isn't it? I speak to you, I speak to me in all these things. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. He realized he had been tricked and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring, the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might be not changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king rose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came to the den, and he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? What a thing for a pagan king to say. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. Even when things were against him, he believed in his God. When he could not change a thing, he believed in his God. Amen. And the king gave the command. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel and cast them into the den of the lions. Then their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, 
peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. And he delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What a wonderful deliverance. What a great and mighty rescue God made in the life of Daniel who believed in his God and who worshipped and prayed as he did aforetime. Without reading that whole story in Daniel 3 about Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and how he made that great golden statue of himself and whenever the orchestra struck up Everybody, without exception, was to bow down and worship his statue. The three Hebrew boys could not and would not do that. And the law was that whenever the orchestra struck up, whoever would not bow down and worship him would be thrown into a fiery furnace. And it says, if we can just pick up the story. Verse 8. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. And they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, and sympathy with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with, symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... That's probably the three most important, important words in that whole chapter, in that whole saga. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We worship God not just 
for what he can do, but for who he is. We believe he can do it. We know he can do it. But just to let you know, if he doesn't, that will not change our mind towards God. He's still the God that we love and the God that we serve. And then how you know that he threw them into that burning fiery furnace and he went to check and he saw a fourth man in the fire who had the form like the Son of God in verse 25. And he came out of that fire not even singed, neither was even the very smell of smoke upon them. God had truly, completely and utterly delivered them. Glory to God. So praise to God is not dependent on external circumstances. We worship him for who he is, not just for what he does. And then we'll close in a moment. No matter how dark the night, a new day will dawn. I will joy in the God of my salvation. No matter how long this was going to take, and by the way, it took 70 years, the prophet knew that that long night would end. Deliverance would come. And he looked to the God of his salvation. And so he's able in the end to say, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. What you're trusting in, Right now, that's your strength. Whatever you're trusting in or whoever you're trusting in, that is your strength. If you're trusting even only in yourself, that's your strength. If you're trusting in another one, that's your strength. If you're trusting in something else, that's your strength. But Habakkuk says... I'm trusting in the Lord, my God. That's my strength. My strength is in God. He's the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. So make sure today that what we're trusting in is the Lord God because everything else, including ourselves, fail. But God doesn't fail. And he will make my feet like deer's feet like hind's feet. As far as I know, the hind is the female. <laughs> Be that as it may, ladies, he will make our feet like deer's feet. I'm sure you've saw <clears throat> those documentaries on television. And you've seen those deer or the caribou or whatever. There's all kinds of types of them and how they can climb and how they can even in the rocky places how they are so sure fitted they do not stumble 
and God will keep our feet from stumbling. He will make us sure fit it. We're not going to trip up and stumble. We're going to walk. In Jude 24, Jude tells us the Lord would keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before that throne. Amen? It says, He will make our feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. Hmm. I was watching a program about Alaska there recently uh, and how the, the caribou, how they, how they migrate and traverse and they try as much as they can not to stay in the valley where it's easy for predators to get them, but they go up to the ridges of the mountains where it's hard for predators and it's hard for even the very best of the hunters to get them. He will make me to walk on my high hills. You may be in a valley today, but God will make you to walk on your high hills. You may be feeling low today, but God will raise you up and lift you up. He helps us to walk on high hills. And when you're walking on a high hill, you feel much stronger and better, don't you? We all go through valleys. We all have dips. We all have times. It's difficult. But thank God for those times when he lifts us up and he makes our feet sure and we don't stumble and we climb higher with him. Glory to God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. There are various names in the scriptures that are prefixed with the name Jehovah. Jehovah simply means the self-existent one who reveals himself. God is always revealing himself. And there's much of him to be revealed. And there are many names that points to God's continuous and increasing self-revelation. And where you read these names, where they're recorded, it shows a moment and a time when God revealed himself to some individual in a special way, showed them who he really was. And in these names, the fulfillment of all of these names, and I'll just give you a few in closing, the fulfillment of all of them, we find them in Christ. Jehovah Shammah. Ezekiel 48, 35. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there or present. Isn't it wonderful when we know that he is there, he's present. It's great when you feel that, when you sense that. But even if you don't feel it or you don't sense it, he's still there. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you even unto the end. This reveals to us the redemptive privilege of enjoying the presence of him who says, Lo, I'm with you always. And this was provided for us at Calvary when we were brought near by the blood of Christ. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Judges 6, reveals to us the redemptive privilege of having his peace. Jesus says, My peace I give unto you. Not as the word gives, but my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, because I give you my peace. 
So this was fulfilled for us in Christ when we, he made peace by the blood of his cross for us. Isaiah said the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Reveals to us the privilege that we have, that we have a heavenly shepherd in Christ who cares for our souls. At Calvary, he was a shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Then he became the great shepherd the chief shepherd. Glory to God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Genesis twenty-two fourteen. 14. He is our provision. Calvary, Jesus provided for us complete and utter redemption. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jehovah Nisai, the Lord our banner, Exodus 17. Revised us the God of our victories. Christ's victory at Calvary over sin and death and hell enables us to say, but thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ, who gives us the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6. Reveals to us the righteousness of God that we have in Christ Jesus through his work on the cross. And Jehovah Rafika or Rafa, as you may pronounce it. Some. I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15, 26. And this reveals for us the healing provision of God through Christ. Isaiah looks forward to Christ and the cross and says, by whose stripes we are healed. Peter looks back at the cross and says, by whose stripes you were healed. Through Christ, our healer. No matter how dark the night, a new dawn is coming. A new day will appear. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Glory to God. And so Habakkuk, in spite of all of the circumstances and all of the, what he could foresee was going to happen, he says, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. I have nothing else that will give me strength but the Lord God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, there are many occasions in our individual lives when it is so true and real that only you can be our strength. Lord, there are others who can comfort but only you can give strength that we need and so today for everyone in this fellowship who is going through the mill who's finding it difficult Lord it's tough it's hard the circumstances are awful and yet we pray Lord that your strength will prevail and Lord in spite of it we will rejoice in the God of our salvation And so we give you thanks today for who you are. 
Blessed be your name. We could thank you for a million years for what you have done, but we thank you for who you are. And we bless you that you are our heavenly Father, our loving God, and you sent us your only precious Son. How much you love us when you did that. So we give you thanks. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts now, Lord, for this table of the Lord, we have much to give you thanks for. But most of all, that you came, Lord, to this old sin-cursed earth and you went to that cross. And Lord, you held nothing back. You gave everything for us. We bless you for it, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.